0: I am, I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I am humble for the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, you should be in Luke chapter 19, verse 9 and 10, where we've been for the last several weeks. I'll read to your hearing. It says, And Jesus said to him, Today, somebody say today, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our third sermon in this series that we've entitled The Seeking Savior. And we said seeking means to diligently search for something, to be intentional or deliberate in the pursuit of someone or something. And I said the idea is for us to on purpose seek those who are lost because they don't know or have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, as well as those who may know him but have fallen away. And we'll see that a little bit next week because there are some people who used to follow the Lord closely but for whatever reason have fallen away. And it's our job to continue to seek to bring those back to the fold. Amen? My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give us the confidence, the courage, and the creative ways to intentionally seek those who don't know the Lord. And I've been saying that we must intentionally Look for a ministry moment. Somebody say ministry moments. Ministry moments, ministry moments when you're engaging and, and interacting with people. Now, a ministry moment does not mean it's a time for you to judge them or condemn them. But a lot of time when you're ministering to people, or you're talking to people, there are opportunities when you can encourage them, when you can pray for them, when you can just be there to be a source of strength for them. And sometimes just to listen to them. There are ministry moments all around us all the time. But so often because we're not intentional in looking for the loss, we miss those moments. And so we have to understand that Jesus made it clear to us that his purpose for coming was to seek and to save people from their sins. And now last week we saw that Jesus uh, broke many cultural norms and religious prejudices by going to Samaria and witness to a woman at the well. And we said that Jesus went there intentionally. He went through Samaria when he could have gone around it like most Jews would have gone th- around Samaria. But he went there intentionally. And once he established this communication with this lady, we found out that he got her saved and she went back with enthusiasm and joy and shared that experience with those in the village. It ended by saying many of those in the village came out acknowledging that he was the savior of the world. One person can tell somebody about what the Lord has done for them and you can make a change in a person's life. Amen? Now today, if you will, go and wait for me in Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. Here we find the apostle Paul standing before King Agrippa before he's going to be sent to Rome to stand trial before Caesar. And Paul is giving his testimony of how he got to where he is at this time. And in his testimony, he talked about his early life as a Pharisee in the Jewish religion. And and it was a religion that he was trained in from his youth. And the Bible said, you know, he was a strict believer in what he had been taught. And he was so strict that when the followers of Christ started to uh, grow and started to proclaim Jesus to be the savior of the world, Paul became outraged. And he did many things to persecute the believers. And he had, you know, many of the saints were put in jail. And when they were on trial, Paul voted to have them killed. Now, in his recount of his conversion, we'll see the seeking Savior saved a notorious sinner and used him for his glory. Now, I don't have to be too smart for me. But if it had been me, I probably would have been praying that the Lord sent an angel down and just go ahead and kill Paul. I mean, after all this dude killing our folk, doing some bad things. But I'm glad that I ain't Jesus. Because my assignment is not to die for everybody. That was his. And so he made it clear that he came to save bad people, not kill Bad people. So sometimes we have to always have that mindset that anyone who's still breathing can be saved. Amen. No matter how bad they've been. And we're going to see that today. You're going to highlight this because I'm going to talk primarily about Paul today just to show you how God can take a notorious sinner. Not just your average guy, Cliff. He's going to tell us later on that he was the prime example. And when I looked at that, I said, prime. You know, in meat, you got select and choice. Then there's prime is the best. Paul said, man, I'm the best example of what the Lord can do in somebody's life. So look at this. He said, now, in verse 11 of chapter 20, he says, many times I had punished, the, many times I had them punished in the synagogue. They would say in the church to get them to curse Jesus. In other words, I was torching for. I was trying to make Cliff denounce Jesus right there in church service. Cliff was in there trying to learn some things about Jesus. Here I am trying to interrupt the service and say, man, you need to turn your back on him. He says, I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them into the foreign cities. Man, I hated this movement so bad. That man, I'm gonna take it upon myself and get me a letter and let me go to some foreign cities to find Wilson, who over there just trying to serve the law. And I wanna bring him back and have him punished. And when he stands trial, I'm gonna vote against him. That's a bad dude. He says, One day I was on such a mission, this is verse 12, to Damascus, armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priest. About noon, somebody say noon. He says, About noon, your majesty. As I rode on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the now you know you got to be bright if you're brighter than the so the S-O-N outshine the S-U-N. So a light brighter than the sun to show up at noon Cliff, it'll be easy if it showed up at night but it showed up at noon when the sun's at its highest and it outshined the sun. He says about noon your man says on the road a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We fell down and I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew, or Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Now, it looked like he didn't know that who he was persecuting was really not who he thought it was. He thought he was going over here to Damascus to round up Cliff and punish Cliff, but he didn't know that Cliff belonged to Jesus. And because Cliff belonged to Jesus, by punishing Cliff, he was punishing. So Jesus take it personally. When somebody come against you, you got to know that when people come against you, you need to warn them, say, you don't want to mess with me. Because I got someone that's going to take it. (laughs) And he said, now look, the voice told him, it is useless for you to fight against my will. Some of you have been fighting against the Lord's will a long time. You know, he, he done already made it clear what you ought to be doing, but you're just fighting against his will. And fighting against his will is a losing battle for you. And so when it comes to what he's calling you to do, you need to make sure when you hear from him that you obey him. Yes. Now, look what he says. Who are you, Lord? I asked, And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now, he didn't know, Jesus got him in a position of humility. because if you know every now and then when he starts with you, you got to humble yourself first. See, he can't use you when you come with your pride and your arrogance. He has to humble you. So from a position of humility, Jesus found him and told him to get up off his face. Look what he says. He said, now get on your feet. For I have prepared you to be to, I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and somebody say servant, servant. and witness. Guess what? You've been appointed to do the same thing. Amen. To serve him and be a witness. You know, that's one thing that Jehovah's Witness may have right. Serve him and Bill. you ain't got to be a Jehovah's Witness, but you, Bill, you ought to be telling somebody about Jesus based upon your experience with him. Because he don't want a second-hand witness, he want an eyewitness account. And the only somebody that can talk about Adrian is Adrian. The only somebody that can talk about robbers, and the only somebody that can truly talk about boldness, you're your best witness, and if you allow the Lord to use you and let your past life become your testimony to where you are now, you'll be able to help somebody along the way. So he says he appointed you as my servant and witness. You are to tell the world, the world, What you have seen and what I will show you in the future. Then he tells him, no, Cliff, this ain't going to be easy. You know, when you start talking for the Lord and doing what he called you to do, there's going to be some opposition. And he says that don't worry about it. When they come against you, I got a plan. I'm going to rescue you. You got to know that when we do what God called us to do, don't worry about the opposition. Folks going to come at you whether you do anything or not. So you might as well have, let them have a good reason, Wayne, for coming at you because you know that, hey, whatever I go through, the Lord's going to rescue me because I'm on an assignment from him. I'm a witness now and I'm his servant, so therefore I'm doing what he called me to do and as a result of that, when I expect opposition and it comes, I know that he's going to rescue me because he said it was, verse 17, and I will rescue from you from both your own people Your own folk. You trying to change your life for the better? And your own folk, folk you grew up with, just won't let you change. Gonna come against you all because now you saying that you love the Lord and you want to serve Him. Your own. See, you got to win the battle on the home front first. You got to let the folk at home know that you're serious about the Lord. Because they're the ones that see you 24-7. And when they know you're serious, it's going to be easy to sell it to the rest of the folk that don't see you. So you got to be worried about your own. Uncle Bobo, ain't Sally, who knew you when you was a little girl or a little boy and just knew you was not going to grow up to be nothing. And all of a sudden now, your own folk don't want to believe that you done met the Lord. Then he said, and them Gentiles, them heathens, <laughs> you know, that could be some of your old buddies that you ran with before Jesus. You know, we all had a little heathen gang that we hang out with. You know, we were, some of y'all were just good heathen, but we were all heathen. Amen. You know, your heathen rap sheet wasn't long as mine, but you still a heathen. You know, you went to you went to private school, you know, Catholic school and all that. You still a heathen. Amen. And so that's why he said, now look, I'm sending you to them folk. And when I send you to them, some of them are going to come against you. He says, yes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. For they, so that they may turn from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. Look at this. At some point in time, all of us was walking in darkness. When we didn't know the Lord, we was in darkness. Our minds had to be opened up, illuminated. So when we come into the knowledge of the light, we have to walk in that light, walk in that truth. And when we turn from the darkness and start walking in the light, then now we can see how the power of Satan has been influencing us. Amen. Amen. And so, therefore, now that I know this, then now I know how to combat the power because he said, look, when I turn to the light and I can turn also from the power of Satan to God. So now you operating under a new power source. Amen. If you're in the church today, you should not be walking around talking about the devil making you do stuff. You know, I, I just don't know how that I mean, happened. The devil must now. I know you just lying. You just don't know the truth. You don't know the truth, man. You got a new power source now. How can the devil control you? And you got a new power source. The only way he can control you, Wayne, you still operate under the old, the old power, because you have been forgiven from your sin and let them know that hey, they're no longer under the power of Satan, but of. Then they will receive forgiveness of their sins, not one, but sins, and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. In other words, we Gentiles, who people looked down on, said we were never going to be nothing. Now, because of Jesus, we got the same rights and privileges that the Jews do. Whatever God promised Abraham belonged to you. Amen. And so therefore, when you know who you are and you're no longer operating under the power of Satan and sin, then you got to walk like you know who you belong to now. Because the same rights, the same privilege, the same thing that God promised them, now it belongs to me. So I'm going to accept all my benefits and I'm going to walk in them. And I don't care who get upset about it because I know what he called me to do and I got to walk in this newfound freedom that he's given me. Now, look at this. Now, that was Paul giving his testimony before Agrippa, before he was sent. Now, now in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 16, I want to further look at Paul because in this letter, Paul again touched on his past before conversion. And he makes it absolutely clear that Jesus came in the world to save sinners. But Cliff he could have just stopped right there in this story. But he made it sure, Cliff, that we knew that he was the worst sinner of all. Prime. Prime. See, I know I look looking out there at y'all, some of y'all got y'all select face on today. <laughs> Cause I tell my about, y'all, you ain't fooled in the spirit. Some of y'all were prime. Amen. I ain't say all of y'all some. I just wish some bold folks was here waiting Wayne to say, Yeah, I was wondering. I was prime. You know, I, I you know, I could go down the list and say, I know I can look out there and say, Philly, you look like you may have been a little select, but I don't know. You may have been choice. <laughs> you may have been choice. I don't know, Philly. I don't know much about you, but you know the word is speaking to your heart. You say, oh man, if I had to put myself in that category, ooh, be too bad to be select. <laughs> yeah, I'm choice. But I wasn't quite prime. Mama and them raised me right. I was right most of the time. But some of them just prime. Faith, just a prime example to say, man, if, if God can save prime Faith, surely He can save select me. Prime. I know, I now look here, can we just have some fun right here for a minute? Because this is freedom. Hey Amen. You, you were a choice example for the Lord. So can I just get some prime folk to praise the Lord for me right now? Come over to the prime side. Let's just you a prime. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong. He said, I was prime. And so guess what? By clapping, you'll say, you're a prime example for someone to look at your life and say, if God could do it for you, surely he could do it for me. Paul said, I was a prime. Oh, let me move on because I see the select folks. I'm, I'm glad y'all were selecting choice. I'm glad you were. Because we prime had to go through some stuff. We did some stuff. We, you know, we prime folks hurt some folks. Amen. When you prime, when you're a prime example, clear, we just hurt some folks. Some of the prime folks just took other folks' wives. Just hurt some folks. Some prime. But prime folks just went through some people when they was coming up. You know, it just took advantage of some people of the opposite sex. Just, I got to bring prime in the focus for y'all because some of y'all sitting out like y'all don't understand the difference. You may not know what a prime stake is, but you're going to know what prime sin is before you leave here today. Because I'm going to make that play prime. I ain't talking about you talking about your little friend behind their back. That's select. Some of y'all right there. Y'all hang out there. But you still saved too. He died for you too. But I'm so glad, Major, that he died for prime. Prime cuts the me. You know, guess what? Prime, too, is also the most expensive. So, Trust me, mean, he ought to expect more out of a prime. You know, you got a bigger testimony. You got a bigger platform. Because he did so much for you. You ought to be able to let somebody know, hey, Jesus is real. Y'all got to get this. Look what he said. I, I got ahead of myself, but I just got excited because that thing, prime, just, just, man, it made me go to the dictionary. Prime made me start thinking about me. Prime. Prime. Brother Wilson, I like you. You're a nice guy, man. You're real nice. So yeah, I know you weren't prime coming up. I can just tell by about where you live and not. You, you couldn't have been prime. You, you weren't you prime. <laughs> you you weren't prime. He said he did some stuff, but he wasn't prime. So he goes, going to say, Brother Wilson, just select. Hey, man. Amen. But look at this, look what he said, verse 12. He says, as he was giving testimony and, and talking about how thankful he was that God saved him, even though he was prime. Look at it, he says. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me the strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Somebody shout, even though, even though I was prime. <laughs> In spite of the fact that I was prime, he considered me trustworthy enough to share his word. He said, now look, he let us know, even though I was prime, I used to blaspheme. You just—he said what you used to? I used to blank, fill in the blank, dot, 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 dot. I used to dot, dot, dot. Some of y'all ain't got but one dot. Some of y'all got six, seven, dot, 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 com. Amen. Prime. <laughs> Prime. That's okay. You deliver from that now. You're free. That's your testimony. You talk about them. dot, 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 com. If you're sitting on all that, you ain't helping nobody. The reason that God got you here is because he wants to use you, but he can't use you if you won't talk about dot, 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 com. Paul is talking about it right now. He's talking about himself. Okay, now look at this what he says. He says, "He, he, he counted me, considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him even though, somebody shout even though, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. He said, in my insolence, I looked that up. That ain't a word I use every day. But since Paul called himself that, I'll look it up. I mean, Paul had some bad behavior. He was disrespectful and rude. You know, you hunt people down. You're pretty bad dude. He said, now look, I persecuted his people, even though I did all that. But God, somebody said, but God. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. See, some of them just ignorant. We did some things we just didn't know. But then after we learned it was wrong, we just ignorantly kept on. That's what made you prime. Because you just ignorantly kept on doing some stuff that you knew. And while you was doing it, you was hurting people along the way. But God said, I'm going to have mercy on you anyway, Cliff. Bolden, I'm going to have mercy on you anyway, because you were doing it in your ignorance and unbelief. So Paul now is grateful. and Look what he says in verse 14. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that, came, that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying. And everyone should accept it. Now he's saying, now look, what I'm about to say right now, it's a non-negotiable truth. It's not even open for discussion, you know, or modification. He's saying, now this is a trustworthy saying. And somebody say, everyone. everyone. Everyone should accept it. Well, what is the saying? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a trustworthy saying. And he said, I know because I am the worst of them all. In other words, I did some stuff that if he didn't come to save, for he sure shouldn't have saved me. But because he saved me, it's a trustworthy saying to say, Brother Wilson, because he saved Bolden, look here. That's a trustworthy saying that he came in the world to save the world. Because Bolden and Major and some of these other folks who raised their hand Brother Mo, that's in your hand. You know, his hand <laughs> way up there. He was prime. prime. So, so, So Brother Moe and Pastor Bolden and Major, some of them got a testimony Look, like, man, are you talking to some young people out there who are out there cutting the food? You need to let them know you're talking to some prime yeah. meat right now. And I need to share with you my prime testimony. Because I got news for you that if he would save me. I know I'm picking on the men. I'm, I'm scared to mess for y'all ladies. Because, you know, back in my day, ladies weren't normally prime. But I'm understanding now the times have changed. <laughs> they they just as bad as the brothers now. You know what I'm hearing? that. You know, there's some prime ladies out there. they just, just just cutting brothers off at the knees. <laughs> Going through them like, oh, <laughs> Breaking hearts up and down. Prime. You know you got a friend like that and you know you used to be select, but you say, then you know you got to go talk to him. Amen. That's your assignment. Ladies, I know y'all thought y'all were going to get away free today, but I I couldn't let you go. Because every time I listen to the brothers talking clad, they say, you just don't know, pastor, you old. The game has changed now. They don't, they don't play like you used to play in the day. You're old. So I said, okay, I need to get schooled in because the script has been flipped. Not all the way. There's still some ladies that play by the old rules. I understand. But are the other generation out there now they are a little bit different. They don't take no tea for the fever. And whatever you do, they feel like they can do. But look at this, what he says. He said, it's a trustworthy saying that should be accepted. He says, I was the worst of them all, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example. That's why I tell you, some of y'all are prime. God had mercy on you, not just to have mercy on you, but to use you as a prime example of how good and how great his patience is. See, we need to let folks know God is patient with you. He ain't trying to wipe you out right now because you're in the prime of your mess. He's trying to save you from the prime of your mess. But we want to make people think that God's going to wipe them out right now. That ain't how he works. He want to give people an opportunity to get it right so they can be a prime example of how someone's life can change. You got to stop. Some of y'all are giving up on prime examples. You talk to them once or twice, then you think that, man, there's no way they're going to ever change their life. But look at you. You changed your life. So you got to believe that somebody else can change their life. So we just got to understand there are still prime examples yeah, out there right now. And those of you who with select people, there some select examples out there too. And some choice. Just navigate in the lane that you're in. But some of y'all know some prime folk. They give you their prime testimony and you sit there and just take it in. When you listen to them, you ought to be saying, wait, oh, that's prime right there, man you got a powerful testimony. we just got to flip that so you can use what you're doing to tell others how God delivered you from it so that he can get the glory out of your life. You're a prime example that God can change somebody if you just turn back to him and turn away from the devil. Prime. He said, let me read that again. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. I'm so glad he was patient with Bolder. You know, we used to sing them songs, please be patient with me, and I didn't understand why they were singing that. God's not through with me yet. I said, man, that's somebody just, you know, they're just making excuses, but no. No. If you're praying, God needs to be patient with you. Because sometimes it takes some time to get out of a prime mess. Some of us had to undo a whole lot of stuff. See, prime folk show you the tip of the iceberg. But underneath, a whole lot of mess. And that got to be dealt with before somebody run into you. Thinking that all they see is the little above the surface stuff, because you hiding all that prime down there, when you ought to be testifying about the prime and how God delivered you from it. Your prime mess is supposed to help somebody. He said I was the worst. Then he says. Then others will realize that they, too, can believe in him and receive eternal life. You're somebody's hope. Somebody can believe that Jesus is Lord all because you're willing to share your testimony. Prime, select, or choice. Whichever one you want to be. Don't hide it. You're free now. So if you're free, your past is no longer holding you in bondage. So, therefore, talking about it shouldn't hurt you. But if you talk about your past and it still messes with your head and hurts you, you ain't delivered from it. You still got something underneath that you got to deal with so that you can talk freely about what God has delivered you from. Yeah, I'm not telling you to tell everybody your business because some of y'all got some secrets up. We ain't going to tell nobody. You're going to go to the grave with them. <laughs> I didn't say all, oh. I just said. But there's enough stuff that you're willing to talk about that can save somebody's life, Wayne. Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, you want to keep that between you and Jesus, go ahead. Amen. But, but talk about the stuff you're ready to, to declassify, unclassify, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> you want to keep that for 10 years, that's okay. But there's some stuff you're ready to release. And only you can release to classify. Y'all yeah, better hear me today. Because I want somebody to leave out of here talking about themselves to somebody who needs to hear their testimony. Because that's the only way you can seek and save the law. You're going to have to be able to relate to people where they are. And there's some people that's in the same position that you used to be in. And you can't go back to them talking about where you are now. You got to start where you were so they can realize where you came from. That's how you connect with people when they think that, hey, show me you before now. Because when I look at you now, I get intimidated and think, I can never be like you. Yes, you can. I'm a prime example that you can be like me. So look at this. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and this is my last turn. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, we're going to take a closer look at Paul and, and, and as he was making his confession and letting everybody know that his goal now, even though he was a chief sinner, He wanted to do everything that he could to save some people. He wanted to make sure that no matter who they were, where they come from, what walk of life, he was flexible enough to be able to adjust to the people that he was dealing with. See, the reason some of us cannot reach people is because we're not flexible enough to meet them where they are. And so therefore, when you're not able to communicate with people where they are, and all you wanna do is talk about where you want them to be, that ain't gonna happen, they're gonna tune you out. You gotta first deal with them where they meet people in their own territory, on their own home turf. You know, it's kinda like in sports, you know the crowd is different when you go to an away game than it is when you're playing on your own turf. So therefore, when you're trying to reach some people, you gotta go to their turf and listen to all the noise That they're going to bring with them because your fans ain't with you. You got to play the game on the other guy's turf and you got to be willing to go to that turf and share the testimony that God has given you, even if you're on their turf and you can't go there thinking about how you play on your turf. You gotta know where the lines are, what lines I can cross and what lines I won't cross, but I'm not afraid to go to a place where God has delivered me from. So look at this. This is what Paul was trying to get them to see. He was free, but because he, even though he was free, he was saying, Look, man, I will become a slave to certain things to win somebody to the Lord. Look at this. He says in verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 9: he says, Even though I am free, a free man. With no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. In other words, I was flexible enough. I can go between the Jews and the Gentiles and those who are weak conscious. I can go between all those groups and still be able to maintain my integrity as a man of, of God and at the same time identify with them where they are so that I don't come in with an attitude that I'm better than they are. So I've become a slave so I can bring something to Christ. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring. The, well, he was brought up a Jew. That was an easy transition back to them. You know, I know their rules. I know their laws. I know what they believe in. So when I go back to them, I'm going to eat kosher. I ain't, ain't going to ask for something, no bacon. When I go back to them, I know I ain't going to ask for no bacon. You know, pork chop just out the question. And don't even ask for the barbecue ribs. I know that they, I, can't, I can't have them because I don't, I don't want to miss this opportunity, Wayne, all over pork, so- pork chop sandwich. <laughs> I let Wayne off the hook, all because I walked in eating a pork so- chop sandwich, knowing that Wayne think pork come from the devil. So I got to put the pork chop sandwich down when I go talk to Wayne. And if Wayne just want to eat some oats and honey, I'm going to do Olsen honey for Wayne, because I'm trying to win Wayne, and on his home field, he eat yoga. So when I'm on his home turf, I'm going like, give me a little of that yoga, man I, for, one, for, one, for one game, I'll take some yoga. Because I'm trying to let Wayne know I'm okay. I'm bringing you good news, but I can't bring the good news. You'll never receive it. If I say, hey, well, look here, man. I don't eat that. I don't eat that. And you know, that's going to take you to hell right there. So right now, that? my witness unto him now has become judgmental. And I'm trying to judge him instead of win him to the Lord. You're not going to win people if all they see you is a, as their judge. God is going to judge them. We got to love them. Now, we still call sin, sin, but calling sin, sin is not judging. That's just agreeing with God. Judging is when you start making people feel like you know where they're going. You don't have a heaven and hell or hell to put people in. So don't even have that conversation. That's not your conversation. You're just trying to win them to the Lord. So he said, when I was with the Jews, man, I I lived like the Jews, you know, and I lived under that law, even though, somebody say "Even even though. Even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring Christ, bring to Christ those who are under the law. Then when I went over here with my buddy Cliff, when I went to see the Gentiles who do not follow Jewish law, they don't mind chitlins. You know, they eat pig feet. Pick tails, pig ears, lips, brain, eat it all from the rooter to the tutor. (laughs) That's what we said when I was coming a little boy, I didn't know what they meant by that, but now I do know. (laughs) Everything on the pig was edible. And so he said, now look, when I go to the Gentiles, you know, who do not follow Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I may bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. In other words, I'm gonna obey the law of love and I know that God is bigger than a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. That I don't think God going to send me to hell because I had a BLT with Cliff for breakfast. Because during that time, I'm on his turf now. I'm going to eat that BLT. I ain't going to talk about how dirty the pig is and what he eats and all that. Ain't got nothing to do with it now. I done blessed it. So if I blessed it, it's holy. And I'm finna eat this B L T. And in the in eating this BLT with Cliff, I'm gonna work in my prime testimony. While, while we're eating this B. Because I'll never get to be able to get to the prime testimony if I reject the B L T. I gotta eat it. Because I got a prime testimony that Cliff needs to hear. So he said, I didn't ignore God's law. But I obeyed the law of Christ, the law of love. And guess, guess what this saying? It's saying that God is bigger than what people eat. If you go to the depth, the earth is the Lord and the fullness there are. He created everything. And he said what he created was good. So therefore, when I bless it, now I'm not going to knock you. If you don't eat meat, that's you. That's, that's going to come into to the weak thing here, the next one. Then I come to your house and all you do is eat cabbage and carrots, tomato, Major, I'm gonna I'm I'm hang with you. I mean, I, I ain't gonna come here and say, man, I don't, man are you, this all you gonna serve me? You, knew, you see how big I am and I'm coming to your house, not you. <laughs> all you got is some carrots and some tomatoes. I'm trying to win Major now. So for that period of time, I'm gonna eat whatever Major in front of me because you know what he said in the other chapter if i'm not going to do it then i never should have taken the invitation to go to major's house because i before i took the invitation i knew who major was i had been talking to him all the time trying to get this audience with him so that i can go on his turf and present jesus case to him so when i walk in i put aside whatever my dietary habits are and say for this one meal I'm going to eat what made you eat. Because he's healthy. It didn't kill him. It didn't kill him. I don't believe it's going to kill me. Amen. See, some of you all are inflexible when they're coming to try to reach people who are not like you. That's why you can't talk to people across racial lines. Because talking to them will cause you to have to become flexible enough to identify where they may be coming from versus where you are coming from. Can't talk to people called education line. All because a person has a higher education than you, a lower education, you feel no, it don't matter. If I'm talking to somebody that got more education than me, I'm in learning mode. I ain't gonna run away from that conversation because most of the folks who got more education than me they don't have it in the Bible. Amen. But I ain't going there to try to argue with them about the Bible. I'm trying to figure out what do they do because I'm trying to find common ground. See, it's important that whenever you talk to people, and that's what you going to say here next, you've got to look for common ground. Don't go in there talking about things you know you disagree with. Find out the things that we already agree with. And once we get common ground, we can build on that. And then we will say, OK, I believe that the good news of the gospel will win the way, will win the day. But you're never going to get there if you never get that audience with that person. So look at what he says. In verse 22, and I'm almost done. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. I try to find common ground with everyone. I try to find a shared interest. So if I'm trying to win Brother Herb, and I know Brother Herb, you know, he's got different beliefs about me on certain things in life, but I know Brother Herb like to play golf. So when I go talk, talking to him, we're gonna talk about golf language. I'm gonna understand paws, birdies, bogeys, the fairway, even though I ain't a golfer. I may even say, you know, play the role. Hey brother, what, what, what do they do with these divots? How y'all get right with all these holes out here in the ground, folks just come along who can't play good, just, just tearing up the ground. Just tearing. what they do? How did I get repaired? What happened? Hey brother, won't that. well you know they got a ground crew. They come out here, they take care of this course, man. They got people that do this. They plug these holes. when need people to do all this stuff. What? So now I'm going to find something that brother heard that's talking about golf. And then I'm going to tie that to the Bible some kind of way. What does par mean, man? You know what I mean? If, you know, you make par. That means, you know, take four shots to sink the ball. And if you make it in four shots, you par. Am I right about that, man? then I can tie that to life. There are some people that live in a par life. They just want to make the four shots and call it a day. But there are some people that want to come in under par, which is good in golf. Meaning that, hey, if it take four shots, I want to do it in three. And so therefore, when I run across those folks, I'm saying to myself, that person, if they ever get saved, if they ever fall in love with the Lord, then they're not going to want to live just a par life for the Lord. They're going to want to come in with a better score than the course required to play. And what I'm trying to tell you, when you start ministering to people where they are and what they're familiar with, you can take that and use it to God's glory. And now you will not be offensive to people when you're trying to share the good news. Paul said, I did this So that I can win some. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone. Doing everything I can to save some. You're never going to save everybody you talk to. Just ain't happening. But there's some people out there that will be glad to hear what you got to say. What the Lord has done in your life. He says now, last verse, I do everything to spread the good news and to share his blessing. And that's the same thing that we got to do. When we come to church on Sunday, you don't come here just to hear a word and then sit on it and let it sour and, you know, and you don't ever use it. You come here to take something from today's message to find out how you can leave here and live your prime choice or select life in front of somebody else so that they can know you too can be saved if the Lord saved you. And I know I can look at that, some of y'all. Y'all look so nice and pretty, eyes all glaring and all that. If I just had to look at you on the surface, I'd say, you know, man, that person looked like they ain't never did anything wrong. But I know what the Bible (laughs) says. Wayne Wayne looks so nice, so kind over here, but I know what the Bible say. Wayne, well, you know what the Bible say? The Bible say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I don't care how you smiling, how you look, how clean up you are now, all. And so because all have done it, then those of us who have walked away from it got to go back and get some of those who are still doing it. You have been empowered to do just that and to start with your testimony You don't need a Ph.D. in divinity. You don't need that. You just need you. you your own doctor. Amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. Alexander, whether you believe it or not, you got a Ph.D. in Alexander. And that Ph.D. can be shared with others and you can win others to the Lord just by talking about Alexander. The Lord made it simple for us. Let's not make it hard. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Now, now, let me pick it. Let me close my pick. It. All right, all y'all praying for Let's just give the Lord a real big clap of praise. That's, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. We thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. we got several appeals we want to make. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you're here or if you're online and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to extend the invitation to you to accept him today as your Lord. We learned from our lesson that it's it's a trustworthy saying.